Good morning. Good morning. Boy, you looking good today. It's good to see all of you. We're so happy you've come to be with us this morning. I hope the things we talk about will be uh, of value to you. Bringing up children is what I'd like to talk about for a few moments. Back when uh, we learned that my BR had conceived a child, uh, I realized that uh, I was going to be the primary educator when it come to uh, teaching him about, about God. Problem was, I didn't know much. Uh, I hadn't been a Christian long and hadn't learned a whole lot by that time. So I decided to start studying and uh, I studied uh, long and hard trying to get ready so I could educate my, what would turn out to be my son and uh, lead him to God as he grew older. Uh, one of the most terrifying thoughts I ever entertained in my life was the possibility of my children losing their soul. I'd never been able to think about it because it takes my breath away. I've tried to think about it and it hurt so much, I just could, I couldn't stand it. I knew that one day, just as sure as this child was conceived, <coughs> that he would leave this world and he would face the judgment of Christ, not as my son, but as his own person. And in that day, he would be accepted by our Lord or rejected. So I worked uh, feverishly studying so I would be able to teach this child during his growing years because I knew I only had one shot to educate him and what turned out to be Amanda too. And I was gonna give it my very best. It's a hard job raising kids. It takes a young person to do it. Oh, I believe it'd kill me now to have to raise one. But back when I was younger, I could do it and did it. But I don't think I ever realized how hard it was till it was over. And I look back over them years and my effort to try to be a good father and I realized just how hard it was and I know it's hard for you today. It's hard to raise children. It's hard to raise children in the Lord because now you're doing double time. We're all going to feed our kids, clothe them, house them, we all want to see them enjoy themselves, and we're going to do that. And we're going to go to work every day, and we're going to get that part of the job done. But there's the other part of our responsibility as a parent, and that is to introduce our children to the Lord. 
and even more to introduce them in such a way that they look at him as their Lord and they love him. That they're serving him, not because they have to, but because that's what they've chosen to do of their own volition. That's the hard part. That's the double time part. Now, I know it's hard. I sat where you sit now. But now my part's over. And yours has just begun. And I'll tell you this much. If I had my time to do over, I would have tried a little bit harder. Well, they turned out fine. I'm not saying that. But I don't know that we ever think we've done enough. I want your children to be successful. I'm not going to say as much as you do, but I run a close second. I want your children to know God is their father. I want your children, most of all, to live with God in eternity. Because if we miss that, we miss it all. So we can't let that happen. Let's talk a little bit about bringing up children and what the Lord would have us to do. The Lord destined Israel to be a people through whom all the families of the earth would be blessed. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3. They were called a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You know, you can wipe out the word Israel and put in the church and it's the same thing today. It's no different. The church is a manifestation of the divine plan that was hidden all those years in the nation of Israel. The similarities between Israel and the church are so close that sometimes it makes us wonder. The central truth of the Old Testament is really quite simple. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's one God, the Creator, the one that gave us life. And there are no others but him. The outcome of that truth would obviously be you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words, which I command you today, shall be in your heart. The place to begin in channeling the truth or getting the truth out to the world was going to be in the family. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, Moses wrote, You shall teach them diligently, that is, the teachings of God. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of the things of God when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. All throughout the day, when opportunity strikes, talk to your children about the Lord 
and make sure that they know who he is and that he's their friend and he loves them. You shall bind the teachings of God as a sign on your hand. Right there, I can see the teachings of God written on the back of my hand. He's speaking figuratively, of course, but that's the idea you get. Become so familiar with the teachings of the Lord. They shall be like frontlets between your eyes. The Pharisees used to wear phylacteries, little box they'd wear between their eyes. And inside the box, they'd have a scripture written out as though that was going to do them any good. It wasn't to be taken literally. It's supposed to be a figurative thing. The point is, get to know what the Lord wants you to know. You shall write them on your doorposts of your house. When you walk out the door, there they are. And when you pass through the gate to go out into the road and head to town, have them written there also. The point is simple. Get to know the Lord with all your might and then teach your children everything you know about him with all your might and ensure that both you and your child's relationship is solid like a father and a son or a father and a daughter. Make sure they know who he is. If we were to think about it in an image, let me show you. We've got the earth, and the earth is in complete darkness. There's no light. We don't know why we're here, where we come from, where we're going. In the world, we see nothing. We know nothing about life. We exist. We'll make up something and do something, but we're not going to understand why we're here. And we've got nowhere to go. In our minds, it would be when you die, you're just as dead as a dog. That's the world without light. But God appointed the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel was in dark just like the rest of the world. But the Lord made the light come on. He revealed himself to them. He spoke with them. He let them know where they had come from, why they were here and where they were going. And he taught them to take that information throughout the four corners of the earth. This is what the Lord planned. But exactly how, how? How would they raise people to be so devoted to God on a national scale? He can't do that. He just can't do that. So the Lord decided it would begin in the home. The home is the foundation of a nation. Nations stand or fall depending on the home. The atmosphere of the people, the attitudes, the loves, the hates, the desires, the pursuits, the destiny of the family is going to determine the destiny of the nation. And God told Israel, you make sure you know me and you make sure your children know me. And if the families did what the Lord 
would have them to do, that nation would be strong. And they did, and it was. It was a very strong nation, stable, unmovable for a couple generations. And then it started deteriorating at the family level. We read about it in the Old Testament. The Lord's revealed it all to us. We see how the family was shaken, started deteriorating, and how the nation naturally followed suit. We can take everything I just said and apply it today to the church. Nothing's changed. It's the same plan that it was back in the day of Moses. The church is supposed to be filled with devout people who in turn do everything in their power to ensure that their children are devout people also. Well, it takes a lot of work. You have to work double time. God knew that. But he also knew we could do it. If we put our minds in the right place and put our nose to the grindstone, we could turn our world upside down. The person I am today can't hardly recognize the person I used to be. Things have changed so very much in my life. It's like I'm living in a different world. I guess in a sense I am. But that's what the revelation of God can do to us. Turn us and our world upside down. Jesus referred to that as life more abundantly. But in order to reap that, we have to be diligent in our pursuit of carrying out the divine will. And I trust we shall do our very best. The family, the Lord's way of revealing himself to the world, into all the world and preach the gospel, Jesus said. He who believes and is baptized is going to be saved. He who does not is going to be condemned. You and I are the lights of the world. It's our responsibility to get that information out to other people. And if we don't do it, it's not going to get done. The federal government's not going to do it. The state of Tennessee's not going to do it. They're not in the salvation business. That's our job. And it's our responsibility to be the best me I can be that I can re represent the Lord in the very best way possible. There's a whole lot at stake when we talk about that. Three major uh, threats, I believe, we face today, just like all people have always faced the same thing. The first one is children have to be trained. Well, that's so obvious it sounds silly to say. Well, when you walk through Walmart and you watch the way a lot of children behave, it becomes obvious that there's a lot of children that's not being trained. Now, that's a problem. That's a serious problem, too. Untrained children grow up to become untrained adults. 
They live in darkness. They make their own way. They don't know right and wrong. Not really. Because that comes only from the Lord. Secondly, the satanic world system. There's a system, I would refer to it as the world's system. When John said, do not love the world or the things in it, he's not saying that you can't love the beauty of the Smoky Mountains. He's talking about the world system, the way it operates. You and me, you know, we're, <coughs> I don't want to be ugly, but we're minuscule. We mean almost nothing in this world. The people that control everything, they look at us as a, a necessity. We're the people that get the work done, do this, that, and the other, keep things running, so to speak. But there's, 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 there's people that governs the world, and they make all the real decisions. They chart our course. And the problem with the world is it belongs to Satan. Thirdly, humanistic philosophy. This is a, a very big problem in our generation. I probably won't get to talk about the last two. I'm not really interested in it, actually. But I want to talk about the first major threat, I believe. And that is, children must be trained. It's hard work. Boy, is it hard work. Harrison, in the Encyclopedia of Biblical and Christian Ethics, says, The human inf infant is by far the most helpless of all young mammalian life and consequently requires an inordinate amount of care if it is to be nurtured successfully. Unlike uh, the animal kingdom, which mature very fast, uh, children don't. And in addition to that, unlike the animal kingdom, children have to be taught. They have to be educated intelligently. They have personhood. They're born knowing nothing, and they're like giant sponges. They're going to soak up something. And what... The question is, is what exactly are they going to soak up? Are they going to soak up human philosophy? Are they going to adapt to the world's system? What are these sponges going to turn out to be? God said, educate them. Let them know where they came from, why they're here, and where they're going. Let them know me, and let them know life. It's a responsibility. It's an, it's an awesome responsibility, because we're talking about the most important people in your world, and it just don't seem like you can ever do it right. Not really. Seems like he could improve somehow. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. A child should obey their parents. 
just because it's the right thing to do. Disobedience is the wrong thing to do. There's right and wrong right there. The right thing is doing what the Lord wants done. The wrong thing is disregarding him. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with promise, actually two promises. The first, that it may be well with you, your life may go well. Secondly, you may live long on the earth. If children honor their mother and father, like the Lord said, they're going to live a better life. I can't go into all the details, but there's reasons for it. They're going to live a better life on the average. In Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 21, listen to the law. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and who, when they have chastised him, will not heed them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him, bring him out to the elders of the city, to the gate of the city, and they shall say to the elders of his city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall put away the evil from among you, and all of Israel shall hear and fear. God's penalty for not honoring your mother and your father was death. Do you suppose it's any different today? Oh, you're not going to pick up stones and throw them at people? But what about eternal death? Is it really different today? I don't think so. <clears throat> this is the first command with promise. In Ephesians 6 and verse 4, the tenure of the discussion changes just a little bit. The children must obey their parents. Now, you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Do not provoke them to wrath. Do not taunt them. Do not aggravate them. Do not torment them. As a father, that's not what you ought to be doing. Back in the Roman days, this was very common. It wasn't uncommon for fathers not to kill their children. It was a common practice in first century Rome and throughout the empire. Fathers were very mean. They were very brutal to their entire family, for that matter, to their wife and their children. They treated them like property, not people. And now here comes the light into the world, which is telling fathers to do the very opposite of what they're accustomed to doing. Do not provoke your child to wrath. Don't make him bitter or angry or mean. You have a higher purpose than that. You are to bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Parents should, according to this statement, give clear expectations some are which are morally inflexible. We need to make ourselves clear to our children what we expect and don't expect. 
we must ensure that they know we mean what we say. Number two, we have to provide consequences to disobedience that are fair and clear. A child isn't disciplined the same way. It depends on the infraction. B.R.'s grandma used to say, you don't whoop your child because you hate him. You whoop him because you love him. And we do. You catch your child playing out in the road, what does mama do? She's out in the middle of that road in a heartbeat. And she beats his britches off all the way back to the house. There's a reason why. She loves that child. And she don't want him playing out in that road again. And it'll be a long time before he ever considers it. If she disciplines him, what happens if she doesn't? Oh, he'll be back in that road for days over. We must show consistent follow-through with rewards and punishment. One time, I can't even remember what it was anymore. I told, I told Chris something. If he did such and such, I was going to spank him. Well, he got busy, I guess, playing or whatever, and wasn't thinking. He was always a really good boy. Both of my kids were good kids. But he got to thinking, and before he realized what he did, he did just exactly what I told him not to do. I knew he didn't mean to do it. I could tell by the way it happened. It was an accident. And <laughs> he came to me and told me what he did. And I said, well, I, I know you didn't mean to do it. That's okay, honey. Just, just go ahead. He said, no, you can't do that, Daddy. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you told me if I did that that you was going to spank me. He said, if you don't spank me, you're going to be lying. And you know the Lord's not going to be happy if you tell a lie. And that kid made me spank him. I couldn't believe it. But it wasn't too hard. <laughs> I've done better. Demonstrate a concrete example in that parents themselves are obedient to the Lord. Don't do as I do, do as I say. If I heard that one time when I was a child, I heard it a thousand times. Don't do as I do, you do as I say. Children do what we do. <laughs> if I wanted my children to follow the Lord, I need to follow the Lord. They need to know what it meant. They need to see me pray. They need to see me study. They needed to know that to me the Lord was a very real person. And I was devoted to him. And I did my very best to give them that example throughout their childhood. He needs that example. Amanda needed that example. They needed to know I was the real deal. Otherwise, they would think I was a hypocrite. And they wouldn't pay a lot of attention to me. I didn't want that to happen because I wanted them to go to heaven very, very badly. And I knew what it took to get there. 
We love our children so much. Obey your parents in the Lord. Fathers, bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. In the book of Proverbs, a lot of instruction on raising children. People buy all kinds of books by modern-day psychologists and yada, 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 all that stuff. We got all the information we need in the Bible. Go out Throughout the book of Proverbs, you're going to see Solomon talking to his son time and time again. For example, Proverbs 4, 10 through 13. Hear, my son, receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. Listen to me. Enjoy a long life. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction, son, and do not let go. Keep her. For she is your life. Time and time again, Solomon gave us an example of what a really good father would do. He wasn't that good of a father himself. But by the time he wrote the book of Proverbs, he had learned his failures. And now he writes for the sake of others. His son just wasn't much. In Proverbs 22 and verse 6, there's a verse there that probably disturbs all of us. Train up a child in the way he should go. Let's analyze it. Train up comes from the word chinook. It's a Hebrew word, a strange little word. But it means to dedicate something. It means to put something into the mouth or to give something to be tasted. That's the meaning of the Hebrew term. The last two, of course, is an example of nursing an infant. Like you would nurse an infant who can't do anything for itself. This is the way you're supposed to teach your child from the get-go. From their youngest days, you begin their training. You dedicate this child to the Lord. I'm going to do everything in my power to ensure that this child is the temple of God. And I start at a very young age trying to teach them. And I do it throughout their childhood. That's the meaning of train up a child. You got the way he should go, and that's a little different than what it looks. Uh, Kaiser, in his uh, book of hard sayings of the Bible, said, the Hebrew text more precisely says it, as reflected in the footnote of the American Standard Version. I re recommend the American Standard Version to anybody, a good book, uh, because you got all the footnotes and things. In my opinion, the American Standard Version is the best English Bible in print. Anyway, it says in the footnote, Train up a child in the way of his going. That's actually the most clear rendition of the Greek text that I can think of. Train up a child in the way of his going. Scholars suggest this indicates that wise parents will not only train their children in divine truth, but they'll train them in a way that is consistent with each child's temperament, personality, etc., Children are different. You know that, I know that. If you've got two, you've watched it. 
train each child according to their own individual temperament. You're going to have to train your children differently because they are very different. One child is a mild child. It doesn't take much to get through to them. You could talk to them and they'll, they'll cry because they feel so bad that they've let you down. And another child could be hard-headed. And the only way you can deal with that child is with a, a firm grip because they will not let you off the hook. They got a hard head just like their mother. And you've got to do everything in your power to try to get that out of them. You're going to train them differently because they are different. And that's what Solomon's saying. Train up the child in the way of that child because that child is very unique. <clears throat> then he says, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. First, godly parents determine that they will rear their children for the service of God. That's what Solomon's saying here. Not as mere appendage of life, but in passionate service. Secondly, when they are wise enough to do that training in harmony with the child's unique personality. And then every parent with more than one child knows sibling individuality. And then finally, the result, it generally will prove to be the case that the child will remain faithful to his training. Okay? We need to understand the book of Proverbs. Does this mean that a good child can never go wrong? Is that what Solomon is saying? The wisest man that ever lived, would he make a statement like that? No, that's not what he's saying at all. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2, the Lord said, I have nourished and brought up children, talking about Israel, and they have rebelled against me. He was their father. You know he trained them rightly. He disciplined them in the proper way. There was no father that could have done better than the Lord did with Israel. And they rejected him. Sometimes, despite our very best attempt, sometimes our children re reject our teaching. And there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we could have done. We did our very, very best. And we have to understand that. And find consolation in that. Because our heart's going to be broken. But if it happened to God, it can happen to you too. That's not what Solomon's saying. That's not even close to what he's saying. The book of Proverbs is filled with these proverbial statements. This is uh, general truths. If you do what I say, in most cases, it'll turn out this way. Not every time. There are always exceptions to the rule. But if you follow this way, the chances are greatly increased that it will turn out this way. But there are, there are no guarantees. Uh, for example, Proverbs 16 and 17, 7. When man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Is that a, a pat rule? No. 
Jesus, his ways pleased the Lord, but his enemies were not at peace with him. Instead, they murdered him. Couldn't the same thing happen to me? Well, of course it could. But the odds are greatly increased for the average person that if your ways please the Lord, if you are what the Lord would have you to be, most of the time, nobody's going to hurt you because people like you, they respect you, you're not a threat to them or their way of life. They're at ease, and they don't want any harm to come to you. That's the way it works most of the time. But sometimes you have an instigator like our Lord was. That rule won't apply then. In Proverbs 13, verse 24, Jehovah said, he who spares his rod hates his son. That's always been painful to me. But he who loves his son will discipline him promptly. He won't waste any time. He'll snatch that child out of the middle of the road and he'll do the deed right there so the child will know why that was happening to them. And they would never want to run out in that road again. Love doesn't turn a blind eye. Be careful what you read. I took psychology classes for a long time. My library's filled with psychology books. Some of the nuttiest stuff I've ever read in my life. Contrary to the divine will. But it's the way people trust, even Christian people. Rather than going to Solomon or to the Lord, they turn to a secular psychologist looking for assistance. Oh, they'll give you something, but it might not be what you want. Leaving your spouse isn't the way to fix your problems. The failure of the parent to use the preventative discipline of verbal rebuke and the corrective discipline of physical punishment will end in the child's death, ultimately. That's according to Walking Theological Workbook of the Old Testament. That will be the result of not dealing with a child in the proper fashion. It's not that all, child have to, all children have to be spanked. As I said a moment ago, you may have a child that only has to be talked to. But there may be another one you're going to have to get their attention or they're just not going to listen. you got to deal with each child as they are. I'm out of time. The rest of it's in your bulletin if you want to read it. Uh, but uh, I'm going to stop right here. Uh, raising children. I, I want you to succeed so much I can taste it. We'll try to do everything in our power as a congregation to help parents help their own children. I give you my word. Sean and Carl do the same thing. We're constantly searching for better ways to do old things. But the bottom line is, Mom and Daddy, it's going to have to start in the home. It's got to be done by the parents. 
the best hope of eternity any child has is their own parents. If you're not a Christian, I would encourage you to think about the purpose of the light that has come into the world, what it's done for us, and the one who sent that light. Obey him in baptism and be forgiven of sin and start walking with him. As Christians, I, there's a million reasons why, I suppose. But as Christians, sometimes we're not paying as much attention to the Lord as we are to the system of the world. And things turn out differently than we want them to. Trust God. His way is, is good. His way is most certain. 